Chapter thirty nine of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty nine. The calm evening light was shining sweetly upon park and wood and valley and high bare down. A strong wind blew the fleecy clouds fast across the sky, burying the face of earth with shadows that chased one another like children in their play and ever and anon the sun was left clear and brilliant and his rays poured obliquely from a point hardly two hands breadth from the horizon gilded the western sides of the trees and made their lustrous leaves shine like diamonds through the heart of eda brandon the shadowy clouds of manifold emotions passed as rapidly as the vapours over the sky but still the sun of hope shone forth again and rendered the little world of her fair bosom as bright and sparkling as the scene around her he was safe he was home again he was near her he was clear of blame his innocence was made manifest to the eyes of the whole world she could look with pride even to his sufferings and to her own love she could say he has been injured traduced and grieved but he is innocent and i have loved him still oh how joyful was the thought of consoling him through life for all he had undergone how sweet the expectation of seeing him again as leaning on edgar's arm she walked quickly across the park towards the old priory but yet those feelings were sorely agitating joy would hold its place and all seem glad and cheerful for a time but then the very intensity of her affection would reach a point which became almost painful and a sensation of faintness would come over her and make her pause and pant for breath Edgar felt for her, for although a great change had come over him since first he was presented to the reader, although experience and action, the seasoning fires of youth, had given decision and firmness to his character, although he had grown more powerful in mind, more manly in character, yet not one of the warm enthusiastic feelings of his heart had been lost, and he could understand what it is to feel, with sensations very like those of fear, the meeting with a lover under such circumstances as hers he soothed her kindly and tenderly too he cheered her with every bright subject that fancy could suggest but he ventured not to laugh or jest as he might have done at another time for he saw and knew that the emotions were too deep the waters of the heart too profound to be stirred by the light winds in sport at length the limits of the park were reached and they passed out he walked quickly through the little wood though eda murmured oh edgar and would fain have paused for a moment for he thought she would be better stronger happier when the first meeting was over in a minute more the grey ruin and the green ivy and the little meadow before the sculptured porch and the stream glancing beyond were before their eyes and the form of dudley rising up from a pile of architectural fragments on which he had been sitting was in eda's sight there had been many emotions as i have said in her breast as she walked thither there had been anxiety and joy and some degree of apprehension of she knew not what but the moment that she beheld him every impression gave way to one the thought of all he had suffered and how he had suffered it it came rushing upon her like a torrent as one great image the anguish the indignation the privations the sorrows the wrongs he had endured and felt 
and giving way at once to the impulse of the heart and forgetting all conventional forms and the cold thoughtful ceremonies of the world she sprang forward she cast herself into his arms she wept with mingled joy and grief there was a long long pause for neither of the two could speak and edgar would not the tears rose too in dudley's eyes not the tears of those weaker emotions which shake the light and the tender on meeting again with those they love but the tears of strong powerful soul-subduing gratitude to god for mercies shown and hope and happiness restored he thanked from his very heart the almighty ruler of all destinies that he had seen his native land again he thanked him for deliverance from disgrace and sorrow and undeserved punishment he thanked him for the reputation cleared a high name restored for honour and for peace and for dawning happiness and perhaps he thanked him more than all for giving him the love the persevering devoted unchanging love of one whom he loved so well it was indeed the crowning blessing of all that which alone could render life cheerful and pleasant to him and while with his arms around her he pressed her to his heart and kissed her soft cheek he felt that of all the blessings prepared for man by the great creator in the terrestrial paradise there was no blessing equal to the last which was bestowed for the comfort and consolation needed by man even in eden at length their feelings found voice and seating themselves upon the same shaded pile of chiselled stonework where dudley had waited the coming of eda and her cousin they began to talk over the past and the future of the past the reader knows so much that he need not listen to their conversation here nor did dudley dwell upon it long for he knew that their time was short and that eda must speedily return to mingle once more with gay scenes in which she took no interested part but turning quickly to the more important present on which so much depended he besought eda not to say to any one that she had seen him nor to give a hint that he had returned to the land there are many things dearest eda he said which i wish to do before i openly avow myself i must in the first place claim back my property from the crown and take measures to make my restitution to all my rights and the restoration of honour to my name as clear and perfect as possible and for these purposes i must see mr clive but i am told he is absent do you think he will soon return not till the end of the week they told me at the grange dudley answered miss brandon but i can easily get his address are you quite sure dear eda asked dudley that he has not told the facts concerning the death of lord hadley to other and less discreet persons than yourself especially to mr filmer certainly not unless by letter replied eda for both mr clive and helen were away when we arrived i have asked at many of the cottages of the peasantry in regard to the cause of his long absence but do not find that any one entertains the slightest suspicion of what it seems from edgar's account has taken place in london and i am quite sure that neither my uncle nor mr filmer have the slightest knowledge of the changed circumstances in which we stand i think it might be better she added and then paused and hesitated with a beautiful blush rising up and tinging her cheek and temples i think it might be better why should i scruple to say so to come up to brandon and claim me for your own at once there are several persons there some of them entertaining expectations i believe with my uncle's encouragement 
which can never be fulfilled and i would fain have it known at once dudley that my hand is promised to another and that there is nothing which has been able to shake my esteem for a man whose conduct in trifles only gave me in early years the clearest indication of what would be his conduct in more important though more painful scenes at an after period dudley pressed his lips upon her hand dear eda he said the temptation is a great one but let us think well what we are doing your uncle i believe knows not has in fact no suspicion that my innocence is proved and my pardon granted none none whatever answered eda during several months while we were wandering hither and thither he only saw the newspapers at intervals and i know not whether the case was ever stated in them at all it was hinted at in one of the evening prints said edgar adelon but the whole transaction was conducted privately without any affectation of secrecy indeed but in a quiet unostentatious manner and the secretary of state thought when all was decided that it would be better to take no public notice of the transaction till your return dudley when as he said you could yourself have recourse to such means as you might judge advisable dudley had fallen into a reverie while edgar was speaking but he roused himself immediately saying in the same low tone which they had hitherto employed for the impression of their secret meeting affected even their conversation while no one could hear perhaps it might be better as you say eda but if i determine upon following this course prepare yourself love for somewhat strange and perhaps unpleasant scenes your uncle will of course imagine at first that i am an escaped convict he will be indignant at my showing myself at his house at all still more indignant at what he will consider my rash pretensions he may carry this indignation to violent measures and harsh terms and if you yourself are present it may place you in unpleasant circumstances i fear not answered eda the whole will be easily explained and although he will doubtless still object and i might be most unwilling in matters not affecting my whole happiness and welfare to reject the counsel of one who has been a father to me yet in this case dudley no objections will be of any avail i have scrutinized my own heart i know and understand my own feelings and i am ready to choose my part at once and to act up to it to the end but the question is this said dudley can you do so my eda if i think fit on motives of my own to give no explanation to your uncle or to any one who may be present to let mistakes go on and confusion work itself clear by gradual and natural means but upon what motive studley asked eda in a tone of anxiety why should you suffer mistakes to exist when there is an easy way of explaining them not for the purpose believe me dear girl replied dudley of showing how strong is the force of your attachment and inducing you to avow your unshaken affection even for a condemned convict neither with a view to let your uncle commit himself by injustice towards me but to open his eyes perhaps to the conduct of a villain and a hypocrite who has long deceived him the course i propose seems to me to be the best adapted to that object but i will think over it eda till to-morrow morning could not you and edgar stroll down here together on an early walk an hour or two before breakfast assuredly answered edgar speaking for his cousin all our guests are sad liar-beds and will be in no condition to interrupt us except our good friend captain m 
and of him we can easily dispose well i will think of it to-night replied dudley i should have liked to see clive first indeed but i think as he is absent we must not wait his coming only remember not to give any explanation till i judge right to do so myself i think eda will not disavow her love under any circumstances assuredly answered eda but one of our servants said to-day that there was some expectation entertained of the return of mr clive and helen to-morrow tidings which have kept edgar's heart beating all the day and she gazed at her cousin with a gay smile i shall be able to tell you more when we meet dudley said edgar and to say the truth i think your plan the very best you could have formed for whether mr clive is here or not i shall be able to prove all the facts having a copy of the depositions there are more facts than you know edgar answered dudley in a somewhat stern tone and eda started at the words and drew a little aside saying speak with me for a moment dudley you would not i am sure she continued in a low voice do anything to injure my uncle you may have obtained those papers of which we once heard much mention but i think nay i am sure that you would not use them to his detriment pain him i must eda replied dudley injure him i will not in the least degree and even the pain shall turn to his benefit ay and to his peace for with all his prosperity he has not been a happy man but the sun is down dear one and i must not keep you longer for it will be quite dark ere you reach the house thus saying he led her back to where edgar stood and bade them adieu adding as they parted in a louder tone than he had hitherto used then i shall see you here to-morrow about eight and we will decide upon our future course edgar and eda assured him they would not fail and took their way back through the little wood dudley gazed after them till they were hidden by the young green boughs and then walked slowly away in the direction of the small place called beech rock for some minutes after he was gone all was still and silent the rosy beams of the evening departed from the light clouds overhead the nightingale broke forth in the wood the scene around lost its lustre and became grey and the bat more surely summer's harbinger than even the martin flitted quietly over the space before the old building in search of its insect prey at the end of those few minutes however some of the branches of ivy which had extended themselves across the ruined doorway were pushed back and a dark shadowy figure came out in the grey twilight and stood for a moment with the arms crossed upon the chest it was that of a man dressed in a long straight-cut black coat with a white cravat tied round the throat there was nothing else remarkable in his appearance and he gazed quietly to the left upon the road taken by eda and edgar and then to the right where dudley had disappeared he next fell into a fit of meditation the nature of which it would be difficult to divine it ended however with a low unpleasant laugh and saying to himself so at eight o'clock to-morrow he turned and walked away in the same direction as miss brandon and her cousin but took the road under the park wall for some way and entered the enclosure by a stile farther up End of chapter thirty nine